morning I'm going to talk to you this morning about healing our divided heart. Healing a divided heart. Over the next three weeks, we're talking about healing our land. You know, many times as Christians, especially if you've been in the faith for any period of time, you have a worldview, you have a perspective, and you see the brokenness in our society and culture. And I've been in church for a long time, and I've been in the way a long time, and I've heard a lot of preaching about healing our land. But one of the things that I recognize the longer that I do this is that in order for our land to be healed, the people of God have to be healed. And so we're going to start this morning about healing our divided hearts. Next week, we're going to be talking about healing our church, healing, working on racial reconciliation and our local churches, which therefore reflects to the community the greater glory of God, that the people of God are one. And then the last week, we're going to be talking about heal our homes, heal our homes. As we do here at City Church, we stand in the honor of reading God's word. I'm going to read two portions of scripture to you this morning. The first one is found in Psalms chapter 86, Psalms chapter 86 verse number 11 and then I'm going to read Matthew chapter 13 verse number 15 the words of Jesus Psalms chapter 86 this is a prayer of David I want you to hear this this morning teach me your way Lord that I may rely on your faithfulness give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name And then Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, verse number 15, Jesus speaking to his disciples. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed, and they have closed their eyes. Other words, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Heal our divided hearts. Heal our divided hearts. That's what we're going to talk to you about this morning. Shannon and Jessica, thank you for being with us today. We are so honored to partner with them. We are sponsoring, partnering churches with them as they go to Jacksonville. Pastor Glenn, thank you for interviewing them. But we are really, really honored. I just, I want you to give them. I am so blessed today. This is our, we've helped a lot of churches, but we really, we're coming alongside of Shannon and Jessica. We're believing God's going to do a great, great work through City Life Church in Jacksonville. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for the grace and the work of your Holy Spirit we've already sensed. What a wonderful time of worship. And Lord, just dedicating this new year, 2018, the year of new beginnings to you. Thank you for every person and every life that's here, every dream, every desire, every goal you see in our hearts today. God, for some of us today, Lord, we just need a word from you. And I pray that in just a few moments that my words would not be my words. They literally would become your words in the ears and the hearts of those who hear And Lord, as you spoke over your people, you said they had ears, but they couldn't hear, and they had eyes, but they didn't see. I pray that that would not be the case today, but that our ears would become unplugged, and we'd be able to hear you. God, our eyes would no longer be blinded, but we'd be able to see you. God, I pray that you'll use me once again in these next few moments in your awesome and mighty and powerful name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. 2018, new beginnings. Everyone say, new beginnings. We all like new beginnings. I, I remember when I was younger, I heard a lot of preaching, oh, New Year's, and people make all these resolutions, and they don't keep them. And I'm like, well, at least they made a resolution. I mean, at least they made one right decision. I know the gyms will be full at my little community center for the next two weeks, and then they'll all start to trail. But at least two weeks you got in shape. Come on, right? Let's, let's cheer the small beginnings of life. 
New beginnings are an opportunity for us to make corrections, to, to, to really reevaluate. As we closed out 2017 and we looked at our lives, all of us felt like there's some things that maybe went well and there's some things that we'd like to see go better. Some of us had some little challenges. Some had some big challenges. Some had marriage challenges, economic challenges, kid challenges, work challenges. Some of us just had a great year. But the fact is our lives today, our lives today are full of choices. Now, choices are great. We're a country of options. Everyone say options. We like options. We like choices. I mean, just, I looked at my closet today. I went to the dry cleaner, so I'm 54 years of age, and I've been buying shirts for a long, long time. And you look at my closet, and you can tell that I've been buying shirts for a long, long time. I had lots of options, lots of choices. The thing is, with lots of options and lots of choices, it's complicated. And I always have to get approval from the boss before I walk out the door. I got to make sure that it's appropriate. You know, we, I, I was reading a study this week. It, it said the average person in America makes 35,000 decisions a year. Thir I mean, a year. A day. Excuse me. Ooh, a day. 35,000 times 365. That's a lot of decisions. We make a lot of decisions. The average child makes 3,000 decisions a day. You know, today, you will make 226.7 decisions about what food you're going to eat. That's a lot of decisions. What we wear, what we eat, where we're going to go, what we'll name our children, how we're going to vote, where do we shop for groceries? Where do we shop for groceries? And my family, sometimes this is a dilemma. Now, since my wife does most of the shopping, we usually go where she wants to go. Aldi. It's <laughs> my wife's store. But I say the produce isn't any good. I want a crisp apple. I want a crisp apple. And so we have to make another decision, another choice. And it brings complication. So we decide to go to the store and get apples. And I land in the grocery store. The grocery store of my choice is Publix or Costco. And so we land in the grocery store of my choice. Let's say it's across the street. I go to Publix and I decide to pick out an apple. Now, how many choices of apples do I have to choose from? You know, we have 25 different strains and strands and brands and names of apples just in this country. There are hundreds of varieties, but in our country, on the common market, we sell about 25. This is a beautiful apple. I stole this from one of the tech guys this morning. I was looking for an apple. This just worked out well. So I go to the grocery store, and I got to decide. I go to which apple? Do I pick out a Fuji apple, which is my favorite? Do I pick out a Macintosh apple, a Red Delicious, a Golden apple, a Granny Smith apple? What kind of apple do I choose? You know, and we like options, but options can bring complication in our life. Now, what options in these kind of seemingly mundane things of life don't necessarily have big consequences. They do have consequences. Because if I go to Aldi's and pick out an apple, I'll get a soggy apple, and my experience with an apple won't be that great. <laughs> I'm just getting my wife a hard time front row here. There's a little inside joke here. But if I go to Publix, I get a crispy, red delicious, chill, mouth-watering, beautiful apple. You know, I mean, the fact is your choices have consequences. The choices you make today will determine your destiny tomorrow. And we all have choices to make. We have big choices, little choices, all kinds of choices. And the truth be told today, not every choice seems to be life-shaking or life-altering. But there are choices that we make about our spiritual journey and our walk with God that will affect not only this life, but our life to come.
The truth be told, for every one of us in this room, when we start to do some self-evaluation and we look at our own heart, we find that there's some complication. We find that there's some conflict. There's some tension. When Jesus addressed his people in Matthew chapter 13, talking to his disciples just about the people of his generation, they had ears that were plugged up and they had eyes that were callous. They just couldn't see. And you and I live in a generation that is no different. You see, the prayer of David, the prayer of David was, God, teach me your way. Teach me your way that I may rely on your faithfulness. This speaks of our need. This speaks of our need. We need God. Right here at the very beginning, 2018, every person in this room, we need God. We can't do this without him. And then he says, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. The word fear has the expression or the concept or the idea of awe. To be in awe of God. This speaks of my desire. To be in awe of God. To walking in awe of God. An undivided heart. Now what is the heart? The heart is used over 725 times in the New International Version. Almost a thousand times in other translations. Over 300 times in the Bible, the heart is used in relationship to our heart, our being. It's the core of who you are. It's who you are. It's your sum total of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Uh, I've got a definition, if you could put it up on the screen for me. The heart is a composition of all the components of the soul, our mind, will, and emotion, just, and the most important part, which are our spirit, our conscience. Our heart is who we really are. But what's a divided heart? A divided heart can be stated like this. It's a composition of all the components of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotion that are in conflict or are compromising God and his word. In conflict with God. Now, as you begin to read through the scriptures of the Bible, the reason, one of the reasons we know the Bible is true is because the Bible doesn't sugarcoat anything. The Bible just tells it like it is. But as you go through the pages of the Bible, you can see even some of the greatest men and women of faith and scriptures had conflicts inside their heart in the relationship with God. And it goes back. It goes way back. How far does it go? Way, 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 way back. All the way back to the beginning. To the book of Genesis. In the very beginning, God laid out a beautiful plan, a beautiful dream. God gave Adam and Eve full rule over creation. Full rule. Have dominion. Be fruitful. Live a blessed life. Enjoy your marriage relationship. Enjoy it. Enjoy the abundance. No pain, no sorrow, no suffering, no sin, no sickness, no Satan, nothing. Live the blessed life. You can eat of any tree in this garden but one. And this is where life gets complicated choice. Choice. The choice between good and evil. The choice between life and death. God told Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree but one in the garden. And if you touch this tree, if you touch this tree, if you eat this tree, you're going to die. And immediately, immediately the test comes. Everyone in this room, we will be tested. Tests are always an opportunity for God to work a testimony in your life. That's what it's about every time. God allows tests in your life, trials in your life, because God is working something in us. And what God is working in us, God is conforming us. God is making us to the very image of his son, Jesus. God knows it's best for us. And so at the very beginning, we see the divided heart in action. And so we know what they did. 
We know that Adam and Eve both. We know that they chose, they chose to eat the apple, to eat the fruit. Not an apple necessarily, whatever the fruit was. They chose to eat the fruit. They made a choice. They chose to say, God, my way not your way. They chose to put their hand up and say, God, you know what? I think that I'm going to try this over here. I know that you said this, God, but I'm going to try this. I, this looks fun. This looks, the Bible says that the fruit looked pleasing to the eye. Do you know that sin looks pleasing to us? It looks sin. The, the Hollywood magazines, the newspapers, the movies, the internet stories, it makes sin look so pleasing, so beautiful. The reality is behind the lens of that television camera, there is pain, there's brokenness, there's abuse, there's sorrow, there's sadness. Sin looks so, e so appealing to the human eye. It looks pleasing to us. But the fact is sin always has a consequence. And the consequence of making the wrong decision always leads to death. You read the scriptures of the, of the Bible. You read from a man like Abraham had a choice to make. Believe God about Sarah being the mother of, of the children of his destiny to have her, his firstborn son. He makes a decision. He makes a choice in conflict with the will of God. And he has a child outside of the purpose of God with a woman who wasn't his wife. It brought pain into his life. It brought consequence. God was still good. God still redeemed. God still, God still used Abraham. God loved Abraham. God blessed him. You and I are here today because of Abraham. But there was pain in his life that was unnecessary. You look at a man uh, and you look at the children of Israel. God delivered them from Egypt. God gave them great victory. God gave them over and over and over again. He rescued them from their enemies. And then the prophet Jeremiah looks at the people. He says, my people are stubborn and they have rebellious hearts. They've turned away and they've abandoned me. They do not say in their heart, let us live in awe of the Lord our God. They just took God for granted. No longer were putting their trust and their confidence in God. Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. He loved the fame. He loved the recognition. He loved when Jesus was on top in ministry, man of faith and power. He was one of this posse. Everywhere he went, miracles, signs, wonders, crowds, multitudes, resources, provision, everything. But in the moment of testing, in the moment of testing from a little servant girl, in just 12 hours, Peter went from saying, Jesus, I will die for you. I will go all the way to the end with you. And 12 hours later, Peter stands cursing. I never knew the man. Wow. Can you imagine the internal conflict? Imagine the conflict inside of Peter. And then there's Paul. Thank God for Paul. Thank God for this man who just tells it like it is. Who expresses his own struggle and his own challenges. Uh, you know, many times I, I've thought this as a pastor and a communicator of the gospel that, you know, I, I, I got to be honest this is the challenge. What I talk about up here, I have to live out there. It's just as much of a challenge as it is for me as it is for you. And Paul just pulls back the veil of his life, and he says it like this. He says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. What a miserable 
person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who will free me? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on, give Jesus a great big hand today. In 1757, there was a young man. This isn't just yesterday's struggle. This isn't just today's struggle. This has been the struggle of the human heart throughout the centuries. 1757, a young man by the name of Robert Robinson, he penned these words to the famous hymn, Come Thou Fount. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead, leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take it and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. God, prone to wander. Prone to wander. Every one of them in this room were prone to drift. It's why I like 2018. It's why I like the, the concept of new beginnings. It's like a, why I like fresh starts. It, it, it's why I, I like opportunities that God gives us to seek him in a fresh way. I love it when the church comes together and pray. I would really encourage, I know 6 o'clock is early for many of you, but if you could make it Wednesday or next Saturday at 8 a.m., I would encourage this congregation, let's start off the beginning of this year pressing into God, his purposes, his plan. You know, it's easy to be self-righteous. It's easy to look at the faults and the failures of other people. We are seeing it exposed in full play in our press and our media and our politics today like nothing. I mean, it's always been vitriolic. It's always been hateful. We've always had people who have hid behind the pen or hid behind the computer screen and say terrible things about other people. But this is at an escalated level like we've never experienced. It's overwhelming. And there's so much anger and there's so much duplicity. And there's so much self-righteousness, people pointing fingers at other people. The fact is, is that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's grace and glory. Every person in this room is broken and in need of God to heal our divided hearts. Every single one of us. There's not a person outside the sound of my voice that is in need of God to heal your heart today. Elijah stood before the people and he said it like this. How long will you waver between two decisions? Some of us are in the pattern of repentance and coming back to God and we're in the right place with him and we're, we know that. We, we're fully surrendered. We're giving it all to him. Others of us are in this journey, are, are still in that place where Paul is feeling that sense of struggle in his mind and his spirit and we're just wrestling and wrangling. Other of us haven't fully surrendered. You got three or four different kinds of people. So we're just still walking life, doing it by our own way, our own plans, our own thoughts, our own dreams, our own desires with really no cognizance, no sense of the awe of God that's at work in our life today. The tension of a divided heart. What are its sources? Where does it come from? Jesus said in Luke 18, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. Jesus talking about the seed of the good news of the gospel that was sown through the proclamation, the preaching of God's word. Jesus talking about the word that went forth, it went out in boldness and it began to penetrate the hearts of men. You're listening to my voice today and you sense God speaking to you. These are not my words. This is the word of God. God's word is penetrating your heart. And Jesus said the seed of God's word went out among the thorns. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. 
and they do not mature. There are people who hear the good news, the message of hope, the message of liberation, the message of, of freedom and victory, dreams and desires and goals, surrender to God, coming to fruition through his purposes and plans. And they hear the word, and it's choked out because of stuff of life. Problems, trials, challenges, riches, wealth. Stuff just comes. Distracts us from the mission and the purpose. Love new beginnings because not only do people go back to the gym, people also come back to church. <laughs> new beginnings, fresh start. Yeah, I've got to go to church today. That's right. Getting right with God. Coming into his presence. Pursuing him. And so the struggles and stuff of life that distract us cause our heart to be divided. There's shallow commitments. People come, they have a form of religion, they're religious, they go to church, they check it off their box, but the next step, going to growth track and starting to serve and making a difference and being involved in the life of God in a local church, it's, ah, it's too big of a commitment. I got so much to do. Shallow commitments, on the fence. Jesus said of this church in the book of Laodicea, you're neither hot nor cold. I spew you out of my mouth. There's a shallow commitment to God. Not a fully surrendered heart to God. Sexual temptations. Sexual temptations in our culture today. I heard someone recently say, the pathway to hell is going to be paved with pornography in this generation. In England, just recently, last year, they did a study. They tried to find 100 young men under the age of 20 that had never viewed pornography. They couldn't find one. Not one. It's the slime, satanic slime that's bombarded our generation like nothing before. It isn't just out there, folks. Come on. You know it's right here in our houses. You know the struggle in your own heart. You know it isn't just men anymore. It's women. And obviously the younger you are, the, the more you've been exposed to it. But sexual temptations, they bombard our culture. We have a generation that can't figure out what to do with it. So we created a whole new movement called Hashtag Me Too. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, but men... Man, we should never dishonor or disrespect a woman in any kind of fashion or form sexually. The fact is, Paul said that we're to treat every older woman as a mother and every younger woman as a sister. We're to honor one another, prefer one another, love one another. The culture is out there, and they parade their perversion and their nudity and their brokenness and their pain and their hurt, and they celebrate their freedom. And then when someone takes advantage or someone they feel like abuser takes, they can't figure out what to do with it. Where do their values, where do their morals come from? Sexual temptation is bombarded in our culture and in the church today. It's caused the division in the hearts of God's people. And then there's spiritual, I call spiritual smorgasbords. American culture today, we just kind of pick a little of this. We got a little Oprah, a little Deepak Shakur, a little Jesus, a little Joel, a little John MacArthur, a little, you know, who just pick and choose. And we got all this kind of spiritual smorgasbord and we put it together in a plate and we're good. We're all good. Got a, got a little pocket scripture verse today. I am blessed. God is for me, yes. But with an undivided heart, with an undivided heart, with a heart that's not healed, with a heart that's not focused and set towards God, God can't fulfill the plan that he has for you. So I have some questions that I ask myself. How do I know when my heart, I'm talking to Eugene Smith, how do I know when my heart today is getting off course. How do I know today when my heart is becoming divided? Well, first of all, one of the first things in me is I'm easily irritated. I'm irritated. I'm easily irritated. <laughs> frustrated. I become easily frustrated. 
My wife can't put the dishes in the dish rack correctly. No, I know you don't believe that, but come on. When you start to go down this trail and your heart is not in right alignment with God, small things irritate you. You go to the grocery store, it's a 10 item, 10 item or less lane, and the person in front of you has 35 items. You're like, are you kidding me? They're so stupid, I can't believe it. There's a lot of road rage out there. I'm not saying I'm the best driver in the world, but I get a lot of people waving their intelligence out at me out there. People coming up on the horn. We live right down the street here, and people are trying to make a turn onto Orange. And, man, I mean, I'm watching people. They come down the street. they got a stop sign 300 feet away, and they speed up to 60 miles an hour so they can get to the stop sign first. Right? Easily irritated, ticked off, nitpicking. Everybody else is stupid. Everybody else is dumb. Everybody else is wrong. Ecclesiastes says, do not be quick in your spirit to be angry, for irritation settles in the bosom of fools. I don't want to be a fool today. How do I know if I have a divided heart? I've allowed the trash of sin. Just allow the stuff, the sin, the brokenness, the pain. Hebrews says, throw off every weight that so easily besets you. Throw off the sin. Cast it off. Get rid of it. I remember the year. It was 2001. City Church was about two years of age. And we were a brand new church plan. And I got to tell you, the first couple of years, there's some of the greatest victories of your life, but there'll be some of the greatest challenges of your life. And one of our challenges was location. And just things were happening. And location was difficult. We were in a movie theater. And the families that had come to start the church with us had both gone back to Seattle. And my wife got cancer. Just a lot of stuff going on. And, and I remember one day I was so intense. My heart was and turmoil inside and so I decided to go for a walk and so I was walking around the neighborhood and as I was walking around the neighborhood I did one of these where I was quoting Hebrews 12 throw off and so as I'm walking I'm just throwing off okay God I throw off that problem I throw off that person I throw off I just throw it off you know just I throw it off and I didn't realize it but as I walked all the way around the block my neighbor next door to me was watching me the whole time you know, I'm just doing one of these. I'm walking, throwing off. And, and, he, and I catch eyes with him as I'm walking back into the house. And I don't even look. I just keep going right to the door. He's like, what is that guy doing? Getting radical. Getting radical about the stuff, the trash that just piles up in our life. We've allowed the stuff of life, our best time and energy to consume us. You know, stuff is good. Family's good, food's good. Everyone say food's good, but too much food is gluttony. Exercise is good, but too much exercise can lead to vanity. Knowledge is good, education is good. I'm a big education guy, but too much education can lead a person to thinking that they're better than someone else. Arrogance, pride. Money is good, we need money. But if too much money in your life causes you to forget the purposes of the kingdom of God and why he gave it to you, it's not good. Sex is good. In the relationship of the context of a relationship between a husband and wife, it's a beautiful thing. It's the way God designed it. It's beautiful. It's why Satan has so perverted it in our generation and culture today. It's good. It's a good thing. But sex in the wrong environment, the wrong person, the wrong people, it's not good. It leads to brokenness, pain. You see, what I've discovered about Satan is that, like the rich young ruler, he'll let you have stuff. But what he wants is your heart. He wants your heart today. The enemy of your soul wants your heart. 
And another indicator, probably one of the most crucial ones is, have I lost my desire for spiritual treasures? Have I lost my desire for spiritual treasures? Have you left your first love? My prayer for 2018, my prayer for 2018 is that as a congregation, we will see people have real radical transformations of the human heart. It's my one prayer. My one prayer is that we just begin to seek God in a way that we haven't sought God before. We had a lot of great years here. We saw God do a lot of great things in this church. We're not here if God wasn't with us. It's just evident to me when I look back at the journey. I leaned over to Shannon and, and Jessica and I said, you know, when we started City Church 18 years ago in the movie theater in Altamont Springs, we didn't have a worship team. We had an individual who told me that he could play the keyboard. He couldn't play the keyboard. He actually could only play the saxophone, and he couldn't look at people when he led worship. That was our worship team, one-man band, saxophone player. Look what God's done. It's so easy to drift. It's so easy. to prone. We're prone to wander. So easy today. So how do we find healing? How do we find healing for our divided hearts in 2018. How do we do that today? You know, God loves every single one of us the same. He sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross for every person in this room. He loves us. God has no favorites. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of people, but he is a rewarder of faith. Hear me today. He's not a respecter of persons. Red, yellow, black, white, rich, poor, we are all precious in his sight. But he is a rewarder of those who will seek him. He's a rewarder of those who have faith. Our prayer should be, Lord, our prayer today, Lord, I give all of me that I know to all of you that I know today. God, God, I want you to heal my heart. God, I want to make an adjustment. I need this area of my life. I've gone astray. I've allowed this into my life. I, I've got this crack, Lord. I, I, this anger problem, this lust issue, this lying problem, this lack of trust for money problem, this relational problem, whatever it is. God, I need you to heal my heart today. Our theme verse for the next three weeks is Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God's people, God's chosen people, through his son, Abraham, the promise of God is that he would bless his people, that he would make them a great people, that they would be the most blessed people on the earth, and God would bless them so that they could be a blessing. The children of Israel had hearts who were prone to wander. When you read through the pages of the Old Testament and you see the stories and the commands and the works and the kings and the prophets, you, you see people just like you and I. And a man comes along by the name of David. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He was passionate for God. He loved God. He loved the law of God. He loved the word of God. He loved it. He said, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And the testimonies of the Lord are true, making wise the simple. More to me are they to be desired than gold, yea, than precious gold. The heart of David was for God. He loved God. But David was conflicted. David had issues. The Bible in the New Testament, I love it. When God forgives, God covers. He never brings our sins back up again. But we read his life. We read the conflict of his life. David had one desire, and that was to build a place for the people of God to worship. He wasn't allowed to do it. He had a son by the name of Solomon. Solomon was a good king, at least at the start. 
Uh, he had a life like many people in this room, on fire for God, lose your passion for God, on fire for God. In the middle of all that, lots of pain, choices, wrong choices, good choices, lots of complications. Life's complicated. And during this time, God raises up this man Solomon to build him a temple. It's a place that the children of Israel would come to worship. It was one of the great wonders of the world. It was a beautiful Ephesus. And as Solomon is dedicating this temple, he's completed the temple. And God says, listen, if you don't serve me, pestilence, plagues, problems, all kinds of junk is going to come in your way. You're going to have no one to deliver you, no one to help you. Uh, you're going to have dreams, desires, and goals for your family, for your future, but it's not going to happen. You're my people. I love you too much to allow it to happen. And then God says this, if my people. Now, I know this is Old Testament theology, but you bring this, I don't care what generation we live in, God has a people who are called by his name. If my people, a conditional clause. See, God's not a respecter of persons, but is a rewarder of faith. If my people, do you know whose you are today? Do you know who you are today? Do you know that you are God's chosen people? You are God's royal priesthood. You've been chosen by him. He loves you today. Do you know that today? If my people, this is my part. Everyone say my part. Come on, everyone say my part. Humble themselves and pray. You know what it means to humble ourselves? You know what that means? It means to acknowledge him. God, I need you today. There was a group of us, we weren't able to get it out quick enough last week, and we did have prayer, and there were several, several of us that came yesterday morning at 8 o'clock and prayed from 8 to 9. And I had a moment with God. It was special. You know, I, I pray. I pray while I walk. I pray while I talk. I, I pray while I drive. I pray in my living room. I pray while I read my Bible. We have prayer here at the church for our staff every day, from Monday through Friday from 8.30 to 9. I, I pray a lot. I like to pray. I probably don't pray as much as I should, but I talk to God. But I came in here yesterday, and I just, right where, exactly where Bill's at on the front row, I just got on my knees, and I humbled myself, and I lifted my hands to the Lord. It was such, such a sweet time. Time went by so fast as I just began to express my love and adoration, and I felt that sense of vulnerability as I came humbly before God. God, I need you today. God, I, I've been saying this, God, I give all of me that I know to all of you that I know. What I know about me isn't very good, but what I know about you is so good, so great. And if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, spend time with them. He loves you today. This is my part. If I want to see a divided heart healed, if I want to see the dreams, visions, goals, plans, desires that God has put in my heart fulfilled in his way, I got to humble myself. I got to spend time with him. I got to walk with him. Jesus talked. The message translation says, Come unto me, all you that are burdened, weighted down with the cares of this life. Learn from me the unforced rhythms of my grace. The only way you can learn from God is to spend time with him, talk to him, acknowledge your need for him today. Acknowledge my need for you. And then he says, and seek my face. This is a really interesting phrase here. I've said this probably 10,000 times over the last 32 years of my Christian walk. And this week I asked myself, what does it really mean to seek the face of God? I mean, I can't see God. Can you see? I, I mean, I know God is at work. I sense him. I, I believe. I have faith. I can't see God. 
Can you see God? What does it mean to seek his face? You know, I can look at Pastor Glenn, this handsome young man right here down the front row, and I can look at his clothes and nice striped socks there and glasses sharp, looking sharp. I can see his clothes and know a lot about him. But when I look into his face and I look into his eyes, I know where he's at. The eye is the window to the soul. I can look into a person's eye. I can look into their face. I can see if they're happy. I love second service. You're the happy, clappy folk. I love that. I love you. But I can see from right up here when people aren't happy with me. But I can look into your face, greet you at the door, sit across the table at a restaurant. And I can see if you're happy, you're sad, you're frustrated, you're at peace. Look into his face. You know what that means? You know what it means? Look into his face. It means come into my presence. Get into my presence. Get into my presence. Turn away. Turn away from the wicked stuff. Turn away from the distractions and the stuff that keeps you from seeking me. Turn away. Look in my face. Seek me. A lot of us seek the hand of God. We seek the hand of God. You know what that is? The provision, the guidance, the direction. We seek the hand of God. And there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with seeking that within itself. But sometimes that all that is all our faith is. We're seeking the hand of God. God, give me, give me, give me. Give me, give me, Jimmy. Give me, God. I mean, give me. Give me God. No. God wants us to look into his face. To see his love. To see his love. See, when you look into the eyes of God, you see a heart of compassion. You see a heart that cares. You see the heart of a perfect father who wants to make crooked ways straight. You see the heart of a God who is willing to send his only son, Jesus, for you. Because he loves you. To die on the cross for you. To raise from the dead for you. Oh, you see the heart of a father that wants to make crooked ways straight. That wants to heal a divided heart. So we do our part. But here's the wonderful thing. Here's the heart of God. God says, I will hear you. God will hear you. He's not just some mysterious God who's out there. He's not like the pagan deities that they had to carve and faction and make an image of to hopefully that he might hear. The Bible says that he has an ear and he's not too far to hear. God hears your breath. God hears your cry. You see, when your heart is being mended in alignment with God, you can pray the prayer of John. This is the confidence that I have towards you, God. I know that you hear everything that I ask. And John says that whatever we ask, when our heart is in alignment, we know that we have the request that we have from him. That can only happen when this thing is right, when we're looking into his face, we're hearing his voice. It's not just a one-way, God, uh, you know, I'm seeking your hand today. No, God, I, I want to hear you. God, I want to hear you. He says, I'll hear you. And then he says, I'll help you. I'll forgive your sins. Sin is just anything that misses the mark of God's standard, his will in his way that's declared to us in his word. Anything. Doesn't it be some egregious sin, big mortal sin? It can just be a heart that's not in alignment. A little bit of unforgiveness that we've held on to towards another brother or sister. A negative word of communication that we've had towards an individual. I will forgive your sin. God wants to forgive. The prophet declares he will blot our, our transgressions and he'll remember our sins no more. God's part. And then ultimately he says, I will heal 
your land. I will heal you. I will heal your dreams. I will heal. I will heal your life. Yet to the children of Israel, he was talking about the natural land, but it goes way beyond that. It goes into the spiritual land of our lives, our walk with him. He'll heal our divided hearts. God, heal me today. Give me an undivided heart so I may see your awe and your glory. I want you to close your eyes. So what? So what does this mean to us today? Worship team is coming in just a moment. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond. We do believe in praying at City Church. And over the last year, we've been very intentional. Many times we'll have prayer during the worship experience. And I would encourage you, this is for you. You come to church and you've got a burden to care, a problem. When we have people coming to the front to pray, I would encourage you to take that stuff, to lay down your pride. You need God today. You see, if you're not willing to have someone pray for you, you still have a divided heart. You're still trying to do it on your own. But today I've chosen to end this service with an opportunity for us to respond. I want you to ask this one question. Holy Spirit, what do you want to heal in my heart? Some of you, while I was preaching it, it became evident. But some of you in this room, the Holy Spirit, speaking very clearly to you right now, will you take this moment with your eye closed and just begin to talk to the Lord. Lord, man, I'm in conflict today. Maybe your conflict's not that big. Maybe you got a lot of stuff worked out. But you know deep inside the areas of your life that God still wants to heal. What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? The second thing this morning whether you're far from God and you don't know him today, well, today is the best day of your life. Today could be the best day of your life. You could know God and discover him. You could, you could find your purpose in him today for the very first time. Some of you have drifted from the path, and today, man, God is calling you back. He's like the, the pro, like, you're like the prodigal that's gone out and left the father's home, and God's welcomed you home today. Some of us, we've been on the path, but we recognize in 2018 there's some new beginnings that need to take place. But I do know God is saying to every one of us in this room, he wants us to humble ourselves and to pray, to get close to him. I want you to stand with me this morning. I'm not gonna ask for, I'm not gonna ask for hands, but we did this in first service. We're gonna do it in this service and in the next service. I'm gonna ask you to take a humble moment, a humble posture before God. There's something powerful about responding to God. There's something powerful about just saying, you know what, God? I need an area of my heart healed. I did discover yesterday when I got down in the first row and I got on my knees. Just bring it down, just a little bit. Just bring it down. Hang on, hang on. I got on my knees. I said, God, I need you. I give, you, I give all of me that I know to all of you that I know today. What I'm going to challenge us to do today, I'm going to challenge us to step out of our seats. I'm going to challenge you to come right down here to the front. As many as can pack into the front, right here at the beginning of 2018, we're going to say, God, heal my divided heart. However you can express that in your own words before God, I want you to, when you come humbly before Him, 
And so right now, as soon as Miranda begins to sing, the worship team begins to sing, I want you just to step out of your seats. And I want you to make your way to these altars. And we're going to take a moment this second service right here. We're going to humble ourselves before God. And we're going to seek His face. Come and join me this morning.